Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. If this is the first podcast you're listening to, uh, we're right in the middle of a little series on the seasons of God and how that plays out in your life and, and how you can experience uh, new seasons in your life. Last week, we talked about the springtime and what that meant and, and the challenges that come with springtime. It's a, It's exciting. It's time of, of vision, of change, uh, and, and just everything that goes along with that. This week, we want to look at summertime. And, and Richard, maybe you can tell us, what, what are some characteristics of summertime? You, you, you've spoken about uh, life on the farm and kind of how that's uh, analogous to, to seasons, and it's kind of easy to picture that. What are some of the, the, the signs of summer, the characteristics of summer, and and what does that look like? And maybe what are some of the, the hardships of summer? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, e- each season is unique in its own way. We looked uh, last week at spring. It's about beginnings, potential seed planting. It's looking to the future. But, but after you plant all those seeds then on a farm, uh, then comes summer. And that's when it gets hot. That's when you sweat. That's when you work hard, long days. The, the days are the longest in summer. And, and you work long, hard days, and yet there's no harvest at the end of the day. And you work hard the next day, and you sweat a lot. And at the end of that day, there's still no harvest. And I would say one of the challenges with summer is that concept of a lot of hard work and yet no payoff. And that really discourages some folks. I think that's, I, I've said before that summer is really what separates great leaders from leaders who don't accomplish much because everybody has dreams. Everybody sees possibilities. But some people are dreamers who never actually make things happen. But how you handle summer determines what kind of harvest you're going to have. Because if you plant a bunch of seeds and then you neglect the crops and you neglect all your work and there isn't a good summertime of growth and maturing, you're not going to have a harvest. And so there's a great verse, actually, I think that kind of, for me, captures a lot of the essence of summer, and it's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And Paul says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And that, if we do not lose heart, I think is the key to summer. Uh, Staying the course, continuing to persevere, keep working hard, hoping that in due season the harvest is going to come. And so, uh, summer, you know, spring is the beginning time. So you get a new job. And, and unfortunately, some people look at getting a job as the end. They, I've known people who put all their effort and work into getting the job. I mean, they were very creative uh, about putting their resume together. And they got a new outfit so that they look great in the interview. And they did a great interview. And they did their homework on the company. And, and, and they nailed it. Uh, in getting that job. But now that they've got the job, it's like, okay, I don't have to grow anymore because mm. now I'm here. You know, that's really interesting because in, in business school, that so much emphasis for students was, you know, resume building, uh, you know, interview 
skills, like you had all these classes yeah. or, or uh, helps for people who to, to get the job. And, and you're right. Like I never thought of it that way, but it's so often, especially in the universities, it's the, the goal is the job, like just get it, like land, whatever it is you're, you're going for and, and not seeing that as a new beginning. Yeah. And I've, I, I, you know, even in, and I th- think we talked about this earlier, but uh, I've been in, for instance, pastor's offices where I looked around at the books on their bookshelves and could not find a book that had been published in the last 20 years. Uh, and what happened is they were reading and studying and growing until they got the church. And, but once they became the pastor, it was like, well, I don't need to keep growing now. I've got a job, which is the exact opposite of what you should be saying. Now that I've got a job, I've got to work harder than ever. I remember when I became a pastor of a church, uh, I came to a church that had experienced seven years of decline. They'd experienced uh, immorality. They'd experienced embezzlement. They'd had all kinds of conflict. They'd been hemorrhaging members. There'd been all kinds of division, a lot of uh, poor leadership taking place. And so I'm in my 20s when I get there. And I remember early on, I uh, met with a former leader in that church who had been very prominent leader for many years. And basically, he knew where a lot of the skeletons were, which closets they were in. And he knew a lot of the problems that I'd never even heard about. And he felt uh, led to bless me by going for lunch with me and taking a couple of hours to tell me all kinds of horrible things about the church I had just come to that I didn't know about yet. And I remember coming back home at the end of that lunchtime. And my wife saw me come in the door, and I was white as a ghost. She, as soon as she saw me, she said, what, what happened to you? And I remember just saying to Lisa, I just feel sick about what all has happened in this church. And I, I'm just in my 20s. I've, it's my first church. I, I don't know how to even begin to deal with that depth of sin and evil and hurt and brokenness. I've had years of seminary, and I feel totally inadequate. And so I'll tell you what, I began to read like I never had before. I would call up experienced pastors and say, let's go for lunch. Uh, tell me, how do you do a funeral? How do you do this? When, when members leave the church and they're upset with you, what do you do? What do you say? How do you respond? How do you handle that emotionally? And uh, I, I just was on a steep learning curve. I mean, I... The honeymoon ended fairly quickly. The springtime of interviewing for that church job and coming and preaching your opening sermon and everything else very quickly ended. I remember my first sermon at that church. The church had suffered all this decline and discouragement. And so here I come, and I'm trying to preach my very first sermon that will inspire the membership, and they'll be they'll all rally around and say, with this fine young new pastor, we can move forward and, and we can advance and have success and, you know, praise the Lord for our new pastor. And so I, I preached the best sermon that I could and we had an altar call and uh, three people came forward, three adults, that first service I preached. And uh, I was not receiving people that morning because I was going to join the church myself with my family. And so the chairman of the deacons was at the front. And so he announced, so I, but I see him talking to these three adults, and I, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is great, my very first sermon, and already three people have come forward to make some kind of decision. Well, the deacon, though, doesn't seem all that happy about it, and, but he feels compelled to let them 
describe kind of what their decision is. And what they've decided to do is to leave my church. <laughs> and, they, and they actually had planned on leaving for a while. They were going to go help a mission church in the inner city. And this sort of tells you the kind of people I was dealing with. They they thought it would just bless everybody if they waited until my first Sunday before they announced they were leaving. And so the first day that I preach, three people announced they're going to leave the church. And so I talked to my dad later that day, and he said, well, how how'd your first Sunday go? I said, great. I said, we've already lost three people. I said, at this point, uh, I should have the whole place cleared out in another month and a half. Uh but I remembered right off the bat, I mean, it was like, okay, the springtime's over. It's time, I'm in summer. How do I stop the bleeding, the, the hemorrhaging of people leaving? How do I build morale? And so I rolled up my sleeves and I began working hard. And, uh, and that's what summer is. It's saying, okay, spring got me here. Now it's summer. Now I've got to, I've got to learn the ropes. I've got, to, I've got to do a good job. I've got to figure out the answers to these problems. And of course, God will help you with that. But that's what summer is. It's it's working hard. And and for some people, they they don't want to pay that price. Uh, I'd say in a whole other area is, for instance, child rearing is an area that you'll have a summer season. I I call the minivan years the summer season of child rearing <laughs> when you now have got a turn in your little sports car that you had in your youth uh, and get a minivan so you can shuttle your kids around to all their lessons and sporting events. Uh, and it's a lot of work. And your kids are sick. You've got parent-teacher interviews. You end up volunteering to help coach their little league soccer or baseball games. And, uh, and your, your, your schedule is consumed with all the activities of your kids and uh, their various needs and so on. And they're getting up in the middle of the night coughing, and you've got to get up to help them. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, what kind of parent you become depends a lot on what kind of summer you have. Some uh, parents, they don't want to mature as people, become selfless people as parents. Uh, they don't want to love unconditionally and be sensitive to their kids and to grow. Uh, I've got a theory about teenagers uh, that I've shared before that just says, you know, parents, when they really sometimes struggle as parents is uh, when their kids become teenagers and parents just say, I don't know what to do with my son. He's, he's gone crazy. He's uh, not the sweet little boy that he was when he was six. But what I've discovered is at times what happened is that the child kept growing, but the parents didn't. Hmm. The parents stopped growing. And their parenting skills are not adequate for the the parenting challenges that they're facing now. Uh, and so, for instance, for me and, and and Lisa, we kept trying to grow as parents the whole time. When we knew our kids were about to enter a new stage of life, we'd be looking around for parents who had kids that age. You know, if, if our kids were elementary kid, uh, age, but they were about to start turning teenagers, uh, we'd look for parents who had teenagers and say, hey, you have really good kids. I, 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 we, we really like your kids. They're respectful. They, they're in church. They seem to love you. Uh, they're, they love the Lord. What did you, how did you get that? You know, how did you raise them to be like that? And oftentimes the parents would be humble and say, well, we're, boy, we're not experts. We, you know, we, we're just doing the best that we can. And I would say, well, yeah, but I like your product. I like what you've gotten. So <laughs> yeah, tell me how to get results. the product that you've got, you know, and, 
we were constantly learning. We were constantly asking questions. We were, we were trying to keep growing as parents. Because one day, you're hoping that there'll be a harvest time. And in that harvest time, all of a sudden, those kids are going to become respectful, loving, godly adults. And you're going to say, I'm so glad I didn't grow weary in well-doing. I'm so yeah. glad I didn't just get fed up and say, well, that's just the way I parent. If, it's, if it doesn't work for them, then that's too bad. Uh, I'm glad I just kept on toiling uh, in those summer season of child rearing. And, and I, I stuck with it until the harvest finally did come. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's a word, especially for parents, I find is uh, don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season, you shall reap uh, if you don't grow weary and don't go faint, grow faint. And uh, for some people even listening today, they may, you know, God may have called you to that job. God may have called you to that assignment at your church and you've been working at it for a while and the harvest still isn't coming. And you're starting to wonder, well, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I need to move on. Well, if God told you to be there, God knew how long it would take for the harvest to come. Mm. So don't go weary. Stick with it because the harvest will be awesome when it comes. And you don't want to have quit just maybe months or weeks before the harvest was scheduled to arrive. We don't always know when the harvest is coming. So we've got to be faithful until it comes. And I think that's what's so so difficult about summer is... There's no immediate result. You yeah, know, I think it's easy when you do things and you see you can see. Okay, I did this, and I can immediately measure. Okay, this improved. This got better. This looks better. Whatever it is, and and that summertime, whatever uh, area of your life, you know, you may be dealing with summer. It's it's not an instant result. It's not instant gratification sort of season. Yeah, it's not, and uh, and it's hard, is because it's hot in summer. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's not necessarily refreshing. It's uh, sweaty. It's grimy. It can be dirty. It's just rolling up your sleeves and uh, putting in another day. Yeah, and uh, and that's that that kind of separates the men from the boys sometimes. Well, let's take a, a quick break, and we'll pick this up in just a minute. During this series, we want to offer our listeners an extra 10% off Richard's popular book, The Seasons of God, which can help you identify the changing seasons in your life. Go to blackbeestore.org and use coupon code SEASONS at checkout for an extra 10% off your copy of The Seasons of God. Well, Richard, you've, uh, you haven't made summer look all that appealing, <laughs> uh, and some who are listening may think that, uh, you know, is there a, is there a skip <laughs> Button for summer, can we just, you know, and I think a lot of people, myself included, want to just kind of, uh, can we just roll on past summer and, and get straight to the harvest? But it's necessary for the harvest. And uh, so can you just tell us a little bit about the, the characteristics of fall and of the harvest season? And Yeah, I of course, fall is what it's all about. It's the yeah. harvest time. It's You planted those seeds, you've uh, matured in summer and apple in, cider uh, <laughs> oh i mean yeah <laughs> and uh, in due time the harvest finally comes and there's a verse in galatians 6 again verse verse um, 7 that says do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap and there's a there's a bittersweetness to the harvest because sometimes 
people discover and harvest, it, it, it exposes what their springtime and their summer mm. was like. So, for instance, um, if you were kind of careless in your walk with God as you were raising kids, maybe every excuse would do to not take your kids to church. Any, any sporting event, any, anything was more important than your kids going to church. And now your kids are adults and they inform you that none of them wants to go to church anymore. And you're shocked and you're disappointed, but you realize, well, wait a minute, all the way raising them up, I was sending them messages that if you have anything else to do, it takes priority over going to church. And now they all have other things that to them is more important. And so in one sense, and, and again, if you know, I, some people don't work at their marriage. There are times of disagreement and conflict, but they don't resolve it. They don't work it through. They don't apologize. They don't go to a counselor. I remember one time talking to a man whose whole marriage had fallen apart. And he uh, realized his, his wife now was uh, in a, an adulterous relationship. Their marriage was over. It was beyond repair. And at a certain point, the man told me, uh, he confessed that about two years earlier, his wife had said that they needed to go to a, a counselor. I said, well, wh well, why didn't you? Your, if your wife wanted to go, why weren't you in a counseling session? And uh, to his chagrin, he said, well, at the time, I just thought it was too expensive. He said, mm. uh, they charge quite a bit per hour, and I just didn't know if I wanted to put that kind of money into the counseling sessions. Wow. And now his marriage was over. And what he was doing was he was reaping what he had sown. He didn't value his marriage enough to put some money into some counseling sessions. Now he's going to put his money into a divorce settlement. Uh, harvest exposes how, what we invested in summer, uh, what we put into it. Uh, but on the flip side, it, it, there's also rewards because when you didn't grow weary, when you kept working hard, then the reward comes. You know, I, 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 I share this with some uh, trepidation, but my, I've got one daughter, which you know well yes. <laughs> since you're married to her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Carrie is a delightful young lady and has always uh, made me proud. But, but there were times that she could be fairly high maintenance also, as you are now discovering. <laughs> well, I will neither laugh nor you, you, say anything. I put you in a precarious position. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll point, just so. uh, edit all that out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there were times when uh, I would travel back across the world in time to try to help her celebrate a birthday. Or I would get some tearful phone calls where she was going through a difficult time. And she was sometimes taking a stand alone when... Other friends were perhaps going to the dark side. And th there were times where it, it, it stretched me, especially trying to raise a daughter, uh, trying to understand the mind of a girl. I had two sons before that, and so I, it changed my parenting. I could look at a number of things that pushed me, some expensive uh, moments, and trying to provide for her what I thought she needed. But then one day... You've, I have her on my arm, and we're about to walk down uh, the aisle at a church, and you're standing at the other end. <laughs> uh, glorious day. That, that glorious was. day. And uh, I am now handing her off to you, and I trust you. I, I know that she's going to be in good hands. I know that uh, you know there were other boys that she could have uh, taken an interest in, that had taken an interest in her, but we navigated through all that, and now we're walking down the aisle, and you realize this is the harvest. This is those tear-filled conversations, those times when she was ready to give up, and she was discouraged, and I had to be there for her. 
But harvest is walking your daughter down the wedding aisle and knowing that she has made a, a wise choice and her life is going to be good. And those moments come. Uh, it could be harvest time could be being promoted uh, into management. And, uh, you know, when I was a pastor, as I shared before, I had a steep learning curve. I had a lot of hard work. I remember just night after night, church meetings and visitation and called out to the hospital, uh, working on sermons, dealing with unhappy people, having people leave and blaming me for every crisis in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> Yet, it, there came a point where the church was full, where there was a buzz. People were excited. People didn't want to they didn't even want to miss a Sunday when they were on vacation because they were afraid they would miss something. And I'm looking out over that church and saying, this is the harvest. This is why I kept working away. Because God knew that if I would just be faithful, he knew that this day would come, that the church would be like this. Uh, and, and when all of a sudden people were asking you, come and share with us how you've done that and how God is, why God's blessed your ministry and uh, and come and be a consultant with us and uh, speak in these meetings. I know people who long to be asked to give their advice, who would love to mentor someone, who'd love to be asked to speak at a conference and share their expertise, but they've not been faithful in their summer, and they, they don't have a track record that inspires people. Nobody really wants to hear what they have to say, and, uh, and that's tragic. Uh, but, but Harvest will expose, for good or for, for ill, how you've conducted your summer. And you, and you don't know when that harvest will come necessarily. I was working with a, uh, some military chaplains one time, and this chaplain said, you know, when we came to our new post that we started having services, we started to uh, offer programs, and he said, you know, nobody really wanted to come to anything. Nobody was responsive. Attendance was very low. And they said, so we went into the summer season. We were working hard. We are trying to do everything we could to reach out. But still, it was like people weren't responding. We, we'd, we'd advertise, we'd put together great programs, nobody would, would come. And then they said, uh, we, we can't explain it, but uh, there just came a moment when all of a sudden, people were, the, the room would fill up and people would be calling and wanting to meet and people would be uh, turning to God. And they said, harvest came. And we didn't even really see it coming. We, we couldn't even really tell you why. One week, everything was normal, and then the next week, all of a sudden, there's ripe fruit on, on the, the vines and the branches. And uh, they said, we, we can't pick the fruit fast enough now. They said, it's, and we can't really explain it. It, it was just like a di we entered a different season. They said, it wasn't like we just changed everything and then all of a sudden we got different results. We were, we we're basically doing the same things we've been doing for a while, but it was just like the time was right. And the things began to shift and the harvest came. And I'll never forget what they said. They said, you know, we're hitting our 20-year mark and we're going to have to retire. And we'll be leaving our post and leaving the chaplaincy soon. But they said, uh, so we're, we're picking fruit with both hands. They said, we don't want to leave any fruit on the vine. Uh, if, uh, if the harvest is about done uh, and we're leaving, we want to, to get all the harvest that God has for us. And uh, I thought, what a beautiful picture of, uh, because harvest doesn't last forever. And yeah. you get to the top of your game, and you want to just stay there. You know, you think, okay, this is it. We'll just, we'll just be in perpetual harvest now. Uh, but it, harvest never lasts forever. And even if you study great revivals in church history, it's like God's working so powerfully, and yet revivals never they never continue. 
uh, they always come to an end. And so you never know how long the harvest will be. So when you're there, you maximize it, you pick with both hands, and you try to be a blessing to others. You try to help others get to, the, to their harvest one day as well. Uh, that's when you mentor. That's when you write a book. You know, that's when you share what God's taught you through the spring times and the summers of your life so that perhaps you can help some others one day experience a harvest themselves. Wow. Well, that's just really encouraging stuff, but also challenging because, you know, like you said, it's the, it, it reveals the sort of summer and springtime that you had. And, um, um, you know, our prayers that uh, those who are listening, they're, they're planting good seeds and they're, and they're doing good work through summer and uh, so that they can enjoy the, the rewards of harvest and uh, fall time. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I pray for every listener that they will truly experience harvest. And, and they will have a harvest. It's just how abundant it will be mm. uh, determines by the, the kind of springtime and the kind of summer that they had uh, preceding it. Great. Well, I think we'll leave it right there and uh, pick it up with uh, winter oh, in, yes. <laughs> in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.